hear now this reading from 1 Kings chapter 19. Last week, the story left us with Elijah standing outside of a cave in the wilderness, talking to God and despairing. I am alone in this work, he lamented, and it is all coming to nothing. This week, God replies and sends Elijah on a quest to introduce a new character in this drama, Elisha. Elijah said, I have been very zealous for Yahweh, God omnipotent. The people of Israel have abandoned your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death by the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Yahweh told Elijah, Go back the way you came, to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Elisha ben Shaphat from Abel Maholah to succeed you as prophet. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha ben Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha immediately left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my parents goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. This is one of our sacred stories. Thanks be to God. Within this morning's story, there is an archetypal pattern for the work of becoming fully human, or a human fully alive and free, uncovering the image of God within them. It's a double-edged pattern, one I suspect we can all recognize in one way or another, and which I think may become clear if I tell the story in two different ways. The first, the story of Elisha liberated. Elisha looked down the line of oxen plowing his sprawling field, and not for the first time, wondered who really owned who. How different was the wooden yoke across their shoulder from the unseen yoke across his own? To all of Abel Mahola, he was Elisha, son of Shaphat, the farmer. This was who he was, and there were moments when he gloried in it. He was more successful than any of his peers, the twelve yoke of oxen ahead of him, a testament to his wealth. But more and more he found that the better he was at his work, the less significant it seemed. He found that the more he tasted victory over others, the more bitter it became. His friendships had grown shallow and largely untrusting, but still he played the game. It was all he knew, or so he told himself. Life in his home was no different. Though he never had the courage to say it out loud, his family only ever seemed to relate to him based on how he made them feel or what they thought he should do. Everything was about them. His mother was the most draining as she reminded him daily of everything he was doing wrong. 
every word underscored by disappointment or passive aggression. His father, the late Shaphat, had made a name for himself in the town, and they were obsessed with protecting it. It was exhausting. But they were his family, and he didn't know any other way to be with them, or so he told himself. Humans weren't meant to wear yokes like that, he thought, still staring at the oxen. His thoughts continued to whir unproductively, as they always did, when some object whipped around his neck unpleasantly, snapping him out of his daze and startling him to the point of falling away from his plow. Grabbing hold of it, he found that it, it wasn't an animal, as he had feared, but some kind of soft cloth. Someone had thrown a cloak across his shoulders. He looked up, more confused than anything else, to see an old man ambling away from him as though nothing had happened. That gate it struck a familiar chord in Elisha's memory. He had seen this man somewhere before. Looking back at the cloak, he saw a worn Hebrew pattern stitched across one of the shoulders. El, my God, Yah, is Yahweh, Elijah. He looked back up, now recognizing the man as the prophet of God who rebuked royalty like children. Elisha was holding Elijah's mantle, which Elijah had just slung over his shoulders. All at once, Elisha realized what this meant, and he scrambled up off the ground and ran after the prophet. Wait, he yelled, catching up. Elijah turned to face him. I have to ask, why me? Is it because of who my father is? Because I've done so well as a farmer? Elijah squinted as if confused by the question. He took a slow step towards Elisha, sizing him up before answering in a gravelly voice. God does not look at your appearance, or stature, or family, or job, or success. God sees, not as man sees. God looks at the heart. You have been called, Elisha, because you are you. Elisha heard his name, not son of Shaphat, not the farmer, just him. He was more than ready to let go of all the rest. I'll do it. I accept. Of course I'll follow you, he said firmly. But first, let me go back and say goodbye. Go back again, sure, Elijah waved him off. But don't forget what I've just done to you. Clutching the cloak in his hand, he ran back to his life and did what he'd always longed to do. He set it on fire. Untethering the oxen, he used their yokes and the plow to build a fire. He killed the animals and used the fire to cook them until he had enough meat for a large banquet for everyone in town. He invited all of them, and they all came. You'd give this away? They questioned him. Is this not your livelihood, everything you have? I thought so, replied Elisha, looking at his hungry guests. Yet the more that I give away, the more I feel I have. 
He said goodbye to the people of Abel Mahola and his identity as a farmer. Returning home, his family's reaction was not as bad as he'd thought it would be. How could you do this to us? His mother screeched. Do you know how embarrassed your father would be? Do you know what they'll say about us? Patiently, Elisha replied, Mother, all my life you've reduced me to how I affect you. For the first time I have seen myself through eyes that love me without condition, that do not reduce or enslave me. I pray one day you'll see yourself through the same eyes. He almost didn't recognize his own voice. It was as though it was coming from somewhere else. Different, and yet somehow more deeply his own. Is this what it would be like, being a prophet? The next morning, he set out after Elijah, a free man. The work of becoming human is as simple as letting go. It's like Jesus said, Come, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The spiritual work of every person is the work of letting go of our false selves, of letting go of the things we believe define us, of letting go the habit of seeing ourselves through the negative judgment of others. Having let go, we allow ourselves to fall into the unconditional love of the divine, the true self hidden at the core of each of us. It is as simple as Paul letting go of his need to judge others as in or out, right or wrong, and trusting the spirit that showed him all are free and all are beloved. It is as simple as letting go of the need to become more, to become better, to do more and be more successful, and trusting that you already have exactly what you need. It is as simple as as letting go of attachment to people who would have us believe we're less than or not good enough, and trusting that you are already exactly who you are supposed to be. The work of becoming fully human, alive, and free is as simple as letting go. But this is really only half of the story, isn't it? As wonderful as it is to tell a tale of liberation, one that we may recognize in some form from our own stories, some among us, myself included, see the pattern as more difficult. Because while the work of becoming human is as simple as letting go, the work of becoming human is also as difficult as letting go. A second way to tell this story would be as that of Elisha the Addicted. It might unfold in familiar fits and starts, a give and take between fear and love we are all likely familiar with. It could go something like this. I'll do it, I accept, of course I'll follow you, Elisha said firmly. But first, let me go back and say goodbye. Go back again, sure, Elijah waved him off, but don't forget what I've just done to you. Clutching the cloak in his hand, 
Elisha ran back to his life, knowing it was time to do what some part of him had always longed to do, burn it down. He put his hand to the oxen's yoke and stopped. This was his livelihood. This is who he was. Could he really burn these tools he'd invested so much in? Would he be able to eat without them? What would the village think? Then he took a deep breath and remembered how long he had clung to them to give him purpose and satisfaction. He remembered that it hadn't worked. And so he surrendered. He let go. Building a fire, he cooked the meat, watching his yokes and plow disappearing into ash, and felt a deeper assurance than he ever had. After a while, Elisha called over a servant. He was planning to throw an enormous banquet to give the meat away to everyone in the village, but as he began to instruct the servant to issue the invitation, he stopped again. What would they think of him? now that he no longer had a job. What would they think of him without wealth? Was he really willing to be that exposed in front of them? Furthermore, did they deserve this? Some of them had treated him pretty poorly. Could he really let go of the grudges and competition and just feed them all? Again, he took a deep breath and remembered what keeping his guard up had done to his relationships with people. He remembered how lonely the competition made him. He accepted that it wasn't working, and so he surrendered. He let go, instructing the servant to issue the invitation, and as he gave it all away, he felt fuller than he ever had. Afterwards, as he walked home, planning to tell his family what he'd done and what he was about to do, he reached the door, and once more, he stopped. He thought of how embarrassed his mother would be with her neighbors. He thought of what her dreams and expectations were for her family. Could he really do this to her? Could he really let her down so profoundly? Once more, he took a deep breath and remembered how his mother's criticism had made him feel. He remembered how he had played along and how his mother never actually seemed to be satisfied. He accepted that it wasn't working, and so he surrendered. He let go. He went inside and told her the truth, and as he did, even though she reacted exactly as he'd expected, he felt more accepted than he ever had been. The next morning, he set out after Elijah, a free man. The work of becoming human is as difficult as letting go. It's like Jesus said, any who wish to become my disciples must take up their cross and follow me. For whoever would save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. What will it profit a person if they gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? The spiritual work of every person is the work of letting go of our false selves, of letting go of the comfortable habits and identities and relationships 
that we think will always satisfy, but they never do, and allowing ourselves to make the frightening fall backwards into the mystery of love of our true selves. It is as difficult as Paul letting go of a cultural identity and a certainty that put him at the top of the world and trusting in a spirit that told him he was just as loved as everyone else. It's as difficult as letting go of the drive to win, to be sure you'll have enough, will be safe, and instead to trust that you already have exactly what you need. It's as difficult as letting go of attachment to people who have been there our whole lives, who make us believe we need them, and trusting that there are those out there who will love you while still letting you be you. The work of becoming fully human, alive and free, is as difficult as letting go. The work of becoming fully human alive and free, is as simple as letting go. Anyone familiar with the 12 steps will tell you that the road to freedom is as simple and obvious as letting go of that which enslaves you and deadens your life, while at the same time as difficult as letting go of that which keeps whispering in your ear. This time you'll be satisfied. This time you'll get what you're after whether it's drugs or relationships, careers or habits, place, identity, whatever it is, the work of following Jesus is the work of letting go of our false selves, our shadow selves, our ego selves, and falling into our true self, following this double-edged archetypal pattern to allow the image of God to shine through us to become fully alive, to become fully free. May we praise God for the liberation, and may we beseech God for the courage. Amen.